0: Love Talk Radio My life Is led me down the road That's so uncertain Now I am left alone And I am broken Trying to find my way Trying to find the faith That's gone This time I hope.
1: Nothing. This is your host, Mark Lichtenwalter, coming to you live on this fourth day of July 2016. You can find us at blogtalkradio.com forward slash The Kingdom of God or Nothing. You can also find the archives to this at The Kingdom of God or uh, We're going to be reading uh, 95 theses tonight. We'll start with topic 27, couple Visitations, um, and then we'll just go through. There's over 100 topics that have either been changed or don't happen anymore um, or they all, they used to happen all the time and now they don't anymore. So um, I wanted to read a couple of things that uh, I've been posting on Facebook. Um, I uh, have a group that's called LDS Last Days Prophecy Discussions. Uh, there's another one that's LDS Last Day Prophecy Discussion and uh if you want if you want good nice fluff, go right on in there, but don't say anything that's contrary to modern the modern teachings of the church uh, or quote the general of discourses or scripture unless it's fluff' cause they'll just kick you out so um I had a friend that started this group, and then uh he got it going you now it's like fourteen hundred and something members, and then he gave it to me. So now I'm in charge. It's kind of (laughs) nice. So I set up the people that I wanted to be the administrators uh, in it, and then I turned it over to them. So I'm still in charge, but not directly, uh, because people flip out whenever they they know that I'm in charge. Um, But, you know, we talked about some pretty interesting things. I'm also in charge of a couple of other groups like uh, LDS Gospel Mysteries and I don't know. Uh, they've only, I think they've only got like three or 400 members, but it's still all good, you know. Um, so somebody was talking about how the temples were dotting the earth and how that was a fulfillment of Scripture, but that's misinterpretation or misunderstanding of Scripture, what God wanted was for, him to, or for us to gather the saints to Zion until Zion was redeemed and then go out from there. So when it says that this kingdom would be established and their overall forth and destroy the other kingdoms of the world, that's when the temples are supposed to dot the earth. They, they got it completely backwards. They want to dot the earth with the temples now, and forget about the gathering of of Zion and the gathering of Israel. And we actually read a whole book uh, that talks about these topics on a former radio program about a month or two ago. Uh, so I'm not going to get into it too much. But so they're they're talking about you know how temples dot the earth, and I said God wants wants temples in Zion. He wants Zion to be redeemed, and when His kingdom is established in Zion. Then the kingdom of God will overcome the kingdoms of this world and temples will dot the earth. The church is doing it backwards. God never intended or uh, rescinded his, I'm sorry, God never rescinded his command to gather and redeem Zion. We should have never stopped gathering and seeking the, uh, the redemption of Zion. And the gathering of Zion actually stopped uh, because of the reeds movie kings around 1910 where Babylon, I mean, the U.S. government, one and the same, they decided to tell the saints that we couldn't gather anymore. So Joseph F. Smith, who was president of the church at the time, just bowed down his knee to Baal and stopped gathering. He said, oh, Zion's everywhere, which contradicts Scripture completely. Not everywhere. Zion is North America. Well, Joseph said it was North and South America, but the seat of government would be in North America. So we know that according to Genesis chapter 9, the land of Joseph would be the utmost bounds of the everlasting hills, which is North America. So um, this guy says, let's see. He says, says, so you're saying God doesn't care much for temples? We are constantly taught temples will stop the earth. Temples are a means to do his work. (laughs) Okay. The Jews defended their church when uh, when Jesus tried to teach them because they said, you know, we have it right. Caiaphas is right. He's the one that leads us. We don't know who you are. Um, But they were wrong in defending the Jewish church, the same as you were wrong in defending the Mormon church. What you're doing is defending you, what you should be doing is defending the kingdom of God and the gospel of God. The church is not the kingdom. The gospel never changes. But as we have continued to show time and time again, the church actually does change. Changes the ordinances, changes the gospel, changes to Jehovah and Jesus and Michael and a bunch of different, you know, it just change, 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 change. And most of the LDS people today don't know about the changes because they only read what they're spoon-fed by the LDS church, which cafeteria picks and chooses what it wants to let the people know about. Uh, And they even rail against the Journal of Discourses. You know, uh, Marky Peterson was all like, hey, uh, I would never have a Journal of Discourses in my home. And Bruce McConkie tried to take out all of the good stuff in the Journal of Discourses uh, and dwindle it down. Uh, but luckily, we got these people called Mormon fundamentalists that kind of like to print original copies, and they can't get away with this, so they had to do away with their project. But you know what they did? They uh, instead of selling it for uh, cheap and letting you buy one book at a time, they raised the price of the books so like 800 bucks to have volume of the Journal of Discourses, and they change the the page numbers and the Discourses around. So if a fundamentalist goes and shows stuff in the Journal of Discourses that were originally published by Brigham Young, you will go to it in your $800 version of their Journal of Discourses, and you won't be able to find it because the page numbers will be different. You know, little things like that. I mean, let's just hide Hide stuff, you know, and they hide it because there's so much, so many damning statements in the Journal of Discourses. Because the people, like Brigham Young, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, even Heber J. Grant, talked about how there would be a setting in order and how God would choose the people out of this people and this people would be rejected. You know, they tried to do away with the Doctrine and Covenants. And get a bunch of stuff out of them, too. But the church had a big old uproar back in the 1920s and 30s, so they couldn't do it. No, they just don't talk about it. They say, look at this over here. Don't pay attention to that over there. And when people say, well, hey, what about this? Guess what they do? Especially if they publish books like Denver Snuffer did. They just get rid of them. Well, how dare you show us Section 124 in the Doctrine and Covenants where it says that this church would be rejected as a church and the people, if they did not build the Nabi Temple. Well, that doesn't mean what it says, and we don't like you talking, so we're just going to excommunicate you from the church uh, unless you burn all your books, and we won't allow you to get into, uh, you know, put your books into the LDS bookstores. You know, <laughs> just let's just hide it all, you know, so that people don't know. But guess what? They never thought the internet would come around where people would actually be able to show these things and share these things. They didn't know there'd be a Mark Lichtenwald to come up from out of the ranks of the rank and file church that would actually study these things and know about these things, that would show these things on a radio program that goes nationwide that thousands and thousands of people listen to all the time. And we've got over 80,000 downloads by now. You know, in the last. What three years? 2014. So I guess it's been three and a half years since I well, let me think, two and a half years since I started this radio program. where you have over 80,000 downloads. So the word is getting out there through this and other mediums. Uh, lots of blog, uh, blogging, you know, like uh, Alan Rock Waterman, Denver Snuffer wrote books you know Abraham Gilliati was talking about these things back when they excommunicated him during the September uh September uh, like 11 that I can't remember what it was there was a bunch of people excommunicated all at once they eventually let him back they made him ban some of his books so that he could come back in the church so that they wouldn't have to fight what he was saying anyway um let me continue reading this. Uh, one other thing, Jesus told Joseph Smith to build a temple whereby the Most High could come to all therein. This is in uh, section 124, 27 through about 50, that he might restore that which was lost or that which was taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. He told them if they did not do what he said, he would reject the church and the people along with their dead. Um, the father never, uh, so the father was supposed to come to a temple whereby the work of the father could start, which is talked about in 3rd Nephi. Jesus talks about it, but you know, they the, they have been, this is the work of the son, but then the little bridegroom harlots decided to go whoring off after Babylon and stop doing what those smiths set for them to do, and they continued to say, Oh, we're the fruit church, even though it says many places, we're going to get to it. Um, where they would be rejected if they, not, if they did not do what they said or what Jesus said. Now Jesus said, if you build the temple, I will fight your battles for you, and you shall not be removed from your place, which was Nauvoo. But they were removed from their place. Since Joseph was taken from us, the flow of revelation all but stopped. With the example of a few, thus the word revelations that were given in the 1880s, all, all the way up to 1890. And then the church decided to take them out of the Doctrine and Covenants, the ones that actually did get into the Doctrine and Covenants, and sweep the other ones under the rug. And you don't have any more thus said, more revelations to the church at all. So let's see here. So the, the flow of revelation all but stopped, with the exception of a few thus said, the word revelations. But then the church decided to ignore those revelations, and all revelations stopped to the church. And you think. You uh, And you think, for some reason, the LGS Church is the same when Joseph Smith restored it. when no more, thus that, the Lord Revelations can be found in your D&C, or Doctrine and Covenants from the death of Joseph Smith until this very day. You don't believe in the words of Joseph Smith or Jesus Christ if you read these revelations and still cling to your dead church. The only reason I still strive with, or with them and go among them is because... This is the gathering of Ephraim, and Ephraim Ephraim is my people. I am Messiah Ben-Yosef Ben-Ephraim, which thing you clearly don't understand. Emmet, don't tell me what to do. Emmett's telling me I forgot to do something. I will do it when I am ready to do it. Thank you. In The doctrine of the covenants verse uh, our section one twenty four, verses twenty seven through thirty two, it says, Build a house under my name, for the most high to dwell therein. That's section that's verse twenty four. I mean twenty-seven. Jesus is the one talking. The most high to dwell therein, that is the Father. That is the work of the Father spoken of in thirty five. Verse twenty eight. For there is not a place found on the earth that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you. Which he hath taken away even the fullness of the priesthood. Now, the Father never did restore the fullness of the priesthood in this dispensation, but it had been on the earth. He is talking about the human race, but it was taken away. And, and there, if people would have been obedient in building that temple in Nauvoo, the, the fullness would have been restored unto us as a people. Verse twenty nine. For a baptismal font, there is not found uh, upon the earth that they, my saints, may be baptized for those who are dead. For this ordinance belongeth to my house, and they cannot be accept acceptable to me only in the day of your poverty. Meaning, only in the day of your poverty are you allowed to do baptisms for the dead outside of the temple. And God gave a provision for that wherein you are not able to build a house unto me. But I commit, this is verse 30. Let me see here. All verse 31. But I command you all my saints to build a house unto me, and I will grant unto you a sufficient time to build a house unto me. And during this time your baptism shall be acceptable unto me. So they were given three and a half years from the time Joseph Smith received the revelation in January of 1841. It was three and a half years years later that Joseph was taken from among the people. And Jesus said, if you do what I say, I will fight your battles for you. If you do not what I say, you will be removed from your place and rejected as a people. They were removed from their place. He said, instead of blessings, you'll receive cursings under the fourth generation. Well, he said, that they, uh, anyone who hindered this work, building the temple, would be cursed to four genera- uh, three or four generations. Verse 32 But behold, at the, t- the end of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. Right there, black and white, section 124, Jesus says, if you don't do what I say, you'll be rejected as a church. And they were. They still continued to go on and do the work. It's kind of like when Moses was taken away from the people, but the Aaronic priesthood still remained. They still did the work, and God still tried to strive with them somewhat, but the work of the Father never commenced, which is... What needs to happen for Zion to be rege- uh, re- uh, redeemed? Ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God. What part of ye shall be rejected, rejected as a church with your dead, saith the Lord your God? Don't you understand? The saints never finished the temple. The Father never came to that temple to restore the fullness of the priesthood, and neither has the Son. In fact, the the Father has never come to any LDS temple ever. God is choosing another people that will come out of the heart's core of the LDS people to do his work. All who will not repent will uh, continue to follow the prophet, and they will fail, period. So in the Journal of Discourses, Hebrews C. Kimball says, but the time will come when the Lord will choose a people out of this people upon whom he will bestow his choicest of blessings. Hebrews to Kimball, Deseret News, November 9, 1865. See also Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 145. Orson Pratt said, There must be a reformation. There will be a reformation among this people, for God will not cast off this kingdom and this people that he will plead with the stronger strong ones in Zion. He will plead with his with this people. He will plead with those in high places. He will plead with the priesthood of this church until Zion shall become clean before him. I do not know that, what, or that it would be an utter impossibility to commence and carry out some principle pertaining to Zion right in the midst of this people. They have strayed so far. That to get a people who would conform to heavenly laws, it may be needful to lead some into the midst of, uh, from, from the midst of this people and commence anew somewhere in the regions round about these mountains. Journal of Discourses, Volume Fifteen, Page Three Sixty. John Taylor said, let's "See here." If this people do not accept and live the principles of the United Order, they will not be acceptable to the Lord. I do not want to live to see the sufferings that this people will have to pass through if they reject the United Order. He said this in the dedicatorial summon of the Salt Lake or i sorry, the Saint George Temple, John Taylor tells us that the uh, that Joseph Smith predicted the same thing. John Taylor address at Centerville, Utah, uh, June 11th, 1883, historical record of the church, volume 6, page 233, and also in the history of John Taylor, page 99. In 3rd Nephi, it says, Then shall the work of the Father commence at that day, even when this gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. 3rd Nephi, chapter 21, verses 23 through 26. And if you go and read all of that, 21 uh, 21 and 22, it talks all about the the work of the Father commencing. That's after the work of the Son commences. The work of the Son is the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, but the work of the Father commences with the Church of the Living Messiah and the School of the Prophets. Continuing on, many of these people are perhaps preparing themselves by following after the world in its mad race for wealth and pleasure, to go down with Bab 1 when she crumbles and falls, but I know there is a people in the heart's core of this people that will arise in their in their majesty in a day that is near hand, and push spiritual things to the front. A people who will stand up for God, not fearing man, nor what man can do, but believing as the prophet says that uh, believing as the uh, the prophet Joseph says that all things um, we suffer are for our own best good and that God will stand by us forever and ever. He's talking about the people of Ephraim, not the church. Basically, God allows that church is kind of like this uh, growing area so that when the time comes for the work of the Father, there will be people who are prepared to do the work. But the church and the kingdom are two separate things, and the, fa- the work of the Father and the work of, of, well, the church of Jesus Christ, two different things. So, 35, chapter 21, verses 26 through 29, And then shall the work of the Father commence at that day, even when his gospel shall be preached among the remnant of this people. Verily I say unto you that the day shall come, At that day shall the work of the Father commence among all the dispersed of my people, even the tribes which have been lost, which the Father hath led away out of Jerusalem. Yea, the work shall commence, commence among all the dispersed of my people with the Father to prepare the way whereby they may come unto me, that they may call on the Father in my name. Yea, and then shall the work commence with the Father among all nations in preparing the way whereby his people may be gathered home to the land of their inheritance, and they shall go out from all nations, and they shall not go out in haste nor by flight, for I will go before them, saith the Father, and I will be their rearward. So now who is the Father that's supposed to come? Anybody? Daniel chapter 7 talks about it. The Ancient of Days comes back and commences his work. The Ancient of Days is Father Michael. Michael became Adam. We know this in the endowment. That is the Father. That is the Adam God doctrine. Michael is the one that sits on the throne. He is the Father. Continuing on, Jesus sought to gather out a righteous people during his earthly ministry, but without much success. However, he lamented by saying, how often I would have gathered thy children together as a hen doth gather her brood under her wings, and you would not. Luke chapter 13, verse 34. Because this people would not gather, it marked the beginning of the apostasy of his church. They would never hear of the gathering again until the last days. The Savior spoke in a parable Of the latter-day kingdom, and assured his disciples that when the kingdom was established and preparatory to the end of the world, he would send his angels to the four corners of the earth. Now, what that means, his messengers, his messengers to the four corners of the earth to gather the wheat into the garner and the tares into the bundles, ready to be burned. Millennial Star, volume 36, page 132. John Taylor said, I repeat, our mission is to preach the gospel and then to gather the people who embrace it. And why? And it's not gathering out there in the world. It's to gather to Zion. Joseph, I mean, John Taylor said, and then why? That there might be a nucleus formed, a people gathered who would be under the inspiration of the Almighty, who would be willing to listen to the voice of God a people who would receive and obey his word when it was made known to them. And this people will be gathered. Um, and this people in their gathered condition are called Zion or the pure and heart. John Taylor journal of discourses volume 23 page uh, 262. We are gathered. Are we in a gathered or scattered condition? We are scattered all over the earth and they have Forsaken the, uh, the Doctrine of uh, Gathering, done away with in 1910. That teaching of the prophet Joseph Smith, Joseph Smith taught, for if Sign will not purify herself, so as to be approved in all things, in his sight he will seek another people. For his work will go on until Israel is gathered, and they who will not hear his voice must expect to feel his wrath. So right there, Joseph Smith is saying, if you don't do what you're supposed to do, God will find another people. We're not to be all in all. Brigham Young said, God will preserve a portion of this people, of the meek and the humble, to bear off the kingdom to the inhabitants of the earth. He will defend his priesthood, for it is the last time, the last gathering time. Contributor, volume 10, page 362. Hebrew C. Kimball said in the Journal of Discourses and also the Deseret News, that the time will come when the Lord will choose a people out of this people upon whom he will bestow his blessings. blessing. He's talking about the work of the Father or the fullness of the priesthood. He said that in Deseret News, November 9th, 1865, and also in Journal of Discourses, Volume 11, page 145. John Taylor also said what would be necessary to bring about the results nearest the hearts of the opponents of Mormonism? Simply to renounce, abrogate, or apostatize from the, new and everlasting, the new and everlasting covenant of marriage in its fullness. That's plural celestial marriage. or the church to do that as an entirety, God would reject the saints as a body. The authority of the priesthood would be withdrawn with its gifts and powers, and there would be no more heavenly recognition of the administrations, meaning no more angelic visitations. Uh, Now, that happens all over the world in many different churches of the world, but to the saints, it should happen all the time. If you don't hear about it, hardly ever. The heavens would permanently withdraw themselves, and the Lord would raise up another people of greater value, valor and stability. For his work must, according to his unalterable decree, go forward for the time of the second coming of the Savior is near hand, even at the doors. That was spoken by John Taylor and recorded in Deseret News, April 23, 1885. Orson F. Whitney said... Many of us people are perhaps preparing themselves by following after the world in its mad race for wealth and pleasure to go down with Babylon when she crumbles and falls. See, they've gone whoring off after Babylon, and when it falls, they're going down with it, and all your food storage is not going to save you, because you can't stop the wrath that's coming. All you can do is get out, get out of Babylon. It says in the Revelations, get out of Babylon, or, get Come out of Babylon, my people, lest you be partakers of her plagues and her sins. And I would add your desolations. The plagues are drunkenness, uh, homosexuality, uh, drug addiction. um, I think I've already said that. Alcoholism, uh, adultery, all kinds. These are all plagues that God has allowed to come on the earth right now. They're happening right now, not to mention AIDS and Ebola and all these diseases that are coming, cancer. I mean, when, I, when back in the pioneer days, doctors had to travel hundreds of miles to see a cancer patient because it was so rare and it hardly, it almost never happened in a child. But today, it is rampant among the people and it's just ridiculous. Anyway, continuing on with this quote by Orson F. Whitney. But I know there is a people in the heart's core of this people that will arise in their majesty in a day that is near at hand and push spiritual th- things to the front. A people who will stand up for God, fearing not man nor what man can do, but believing, as the prophet Joseph said, that all things we suffer are for our own best good and that God will stand by us forever and ever. Deseret's news. Um, our, our August 11th, 1889. Let me see here.
2: You know, people take that kind of quote and they think that, oh, if bad things are happening and I'm suffering, it's just something that I'm supposed to be learning. And people always internalize all of their suffering to be a good thing, like, oh, I'm just learning and this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, they always turn it into like positive. Do you know what I'm talking about?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh yeah, because they've got to make it. They've got to make two opposite things come together in their head somehow. Right. So they will do all kinds of okay, mental like, battles. This is
2: not punishment for doing something bad. This is not the <laughs> withdrawing of the spirit. This is not that. This is just what I have to go through because God's trying to make me stronger. It's not always like that. Sometimes it's like, no, he told you don't do that, or stupid things happen. These are the stupid things that happen when you don't listen to me. And as soon as you turn back and repent, you're all done with this. Maybe that's their learning process.
1: My learning process is God has given me the power to bless and seal and loose and curse. And I don't like to curse anymore because I've seen people suffer very bad for it, and I've seen some people die because of the curses. I, I remember one of the first people I cursed, he called me a heretic and a blasphemer and would not let me speak, and so I just cursed him. I used the authority God gave me to curse him. Not that I wanted him to suffer. I just wanted him to repent. But you know what he did? Oh, Lord, I don't know why you're making me go through the Garden of Gethsemane and making me suffer all these great things, but I will serve you. And, like, he just clung to his false doctrine, even though the curses of God were coming like fire down upon him, and he wouldn't repent. I don't understand people. And I I don't understand, because I used to think, well, maybe if they had to go through something, you know, like a curse, maybe. They would repent, but people don't repent. Uh, they, they just cling to their false doctrine. You can't get them to see anything different than what they believe is right. And, you know, in uh, Second Thessalonians, it says all they who believe strong delusion, um, or all they who believe the lie receive strong delusion, that they all might be damned because they did not have a love for the truth. 'Cause they didn't go to God to find out if what they believed was true. And they reject the prophets and apostles, they reject the Holy Spirit. I mean, they they get the Holy Spirit when like truth is taught to them, you know, unless it goes against something that they think is wrong and then they fight it they fight over it. So they reject the Holy Spirit, right? The <laughs> principle is if you if you reject the truth and you reject the, the principle of the people that God is sending, there's going to be a curse. They will receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they had not loved, uh, they had not beloved the truth. So when people are like, "Oh, I know the church is true, and I know the false doctrine taught by the church today is true." But Brigham Young, even though he was the president of the church and the current church leaders say the president of the church can never lead you astray, well, that only goes for today, because Brigham Young was clearly off of his rocker, and he could lead us astray, definitely. Or maybe they could all lead you astray, and they're continuing to lead you astray. I can't hear you anymore. Did you mess with it? You did. She's asking me if I actually if muted it. Mm. Kim, do you mind offering the opening prayer? And then you can go to bed if you want, if you look exhausted. Can
2: you hear me now? Uh,
1: barely. Just put that microphone up to you and speak loud.
2: Like this? Or no. Or... Is that better, or is that only...
3: No, it's fine.
2: Okay, I don't know. I was trying to mess with the volume on this thing. Okay, Okay. go ahead. Okay. Okay. Our Father in heaven, we come before Thee this night with thankful hearts, with open minds, and with love for Thee. We come before Thee and give thanks to You for our blessings for our families, for our friends, and for thy knowledge. We ask thee to please watch over our friends and families. We ask thee to please watch over the listeners at this time. And ask thee to be with us that we might know of truth and learn of thee, learn of thy will for us, for each of us individually also we like to dedicate our time and this program unto thee, that it might help others that it might reach out and help thy children to come closer to thee to understand what it is that thou would have us do To be able to be with thee again This is our prayer To thee father We thank thee again And say these things In the name of thy beloved son Jesus Christ amen Amen
1: Okay go ahead and mute your line Because there's a lot of feedback What's wrong No I can't hear you Okay Kim's telling me what's going on with your headset I'll just start reading Oh, I tried plugging it in In the car earlier today but somebody unplugged it So Okay Alright, so we're going to start with uh, Topic 28, Heavenly Visitations Anybody who wants to read along with us Can go to thekingdomofgodornothing.com that's thekingdomofgodornothing.com. Click on Arvdon Kraut and scroll down to 95 Thesis. That is spelled with an N, not, the, not the, letter, the numbers, but actually 95 Thesis. So we're on page 46. The Son of Man shall send forth his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all things that offend, and them which do iniquity. Matthew chapter 13, verse 41. In Acts chapter 7, verse 53, um, who have received the law of, of are by the dispensation of angels and have not kept it? All right, let's see. So this is heaven with visitations talking about. In Moroni, verse 7, I mean, chapter 7, verse 37, also in chapter 10, verse 14 Behold, I say unto you, nay, for it is by faith that miracles are wrought, and it is by faith that angels appear and minister unto men. Wherefore, if these things have ceased, will be unto the children of men, for it is uh, because of unbelief and all is in vain. And, you know, there's a lot of faithful members in the LDS church who have complete faith in the church. But God wants you to have faith in the gospel and Him, not a man-made institution, and or not an institution that is run by infallible men. He wants you to go back to the restoration and see what the original prophets taught, not in the Joseph Smith textbook that they give you with all the stuff taken out. You know, he wants you to actually go back to the restoration. And, see. and so, when people have great faith in their church, but they don't have the visitation of angels, it's because they believe in false doctrine and they receive strong delusion that they all might be damned because they did not fully love the truth. These people that believe, follow the prophet, the prophet will never lead you astray, are in strong delusion the fruit of faith is actually having the, our angel appear and minister unto you or having uh, these other great gifts. Now, you can do some things by the power of faith, but if you believe in strong delusion, you're not going to get the whole cart. You're not going to have all of the, and you're not going to have angels visiting you. Um <laughs> DNC section 13, verse 1 Upon you, my fellow servants, I say, are in the name of Messiah, I confer the priesthood of Aaron, which hold the keys of the ministering of angels. See, this is a visitation of an angel who is known as John the Baptist or Yochanan the Immerser, depending on whether you know his his real name or whether you just know the King James Version. He was yoking on the Immerser. Okay. I find it interesting here that he didn't say, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of the Messiah, I confer the priesthood. He said it in the name of Messiah because Messiah is an office, and there are actually two major Messiahs for each earth. It's by the mouth of two or three witnesses that every word is established. And the Jews knew about Messiah, Ben Judah, and David. That's Jesus Christ. He's the only begotten of the Father. He, and what that means is He is the only one that was part God, part man. And then you had Messiah, then Joseph, then Ephraim, who would come to redeem Zion. That's the Holy Ghost come in the flesh. What, Emmett? Oh, <laughs> Emmett's like throwing it, or swatting his hand around because there's these slice that are bugging me to death. Yeah, the kids left the doors open earlier Uh, You know, kids Anyway, continuing on In DMT section 107 verse 18 and 19 it says The power and authority of the higher or Melchizedek priesthood Is to hold the keys of all the spiritual blessings of the church To have the privilege of receiving the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven to have the heavens opened unto them and to commune with the general assembly of the church of the firstborn and to enjoy the communion and presence of God the Father and Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. So a lot of people out there think they have the Melchizedek priesthood, but because of what Heber J. Grant did from 1921 to 1957, where they stopped conferring priesthood and only ordained offices, many lines of authority have been broken and... People don't have the priesthood that they think they have. So they work by the power of faith, just like every other church that doesn't have the power of God. You know, there's many healings and and visitations, uh, just different things that are in these other churches. They're happening from time to time. It's more scattered. You know, it's not so much, but they do happen. And it happens at the same rate in the LDS church, but these things should be uh, – people that have the Melchizedek priesthood, they should be happening more often, but they don't, because the people have lost the priesthood. Um, which is also talked about in Daniel chapter 12, where it says the men clothed in linen would, uh, in the last days, would uh, scatter the power of all the holy people. Well, how do you scatter the power? You sever the ordinances or the priesthood. That's the power of all the holy people. That's all the holy people who think they got the priesthood and the restored church. That's the holy people. It's prophesied right there in Daniel chapter 12. Joseph Smith, in teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 19, said uh, that he, the Lord, has promised us great blessings, yea, even a visit from the heavens to honor us with his own presence. Uh, So are you seeing that anymore in the church? I know that there's a lot of speculation that the prophets of the church don't ever talk about it. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, they meet with Jesus every Thursday in their meeting, but they don't ever talk about it. Emmett, smack me with the flyswatter again, and I will smack you up to your bedroom. Oh, Kim told him to. There was a fly on my leg. Thank you, Kim. But today, visitation of angels have gradually and almost completely disappeared. In spite of more temples in the church today, and many more times the number of people who go through the temples, heavenly visitations have almost vanished among the LDS people. Page 47, the 3D fights. Topic twenty nine. Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels and unaware. Hebrews chapter thirteen verse two. So what does that mean? That means sometimes angels walk among you and you don't even know who they are. Sometimes they're in mortality and they had high position of authority, like Jesus Christ walked. He was a carpenter. You know, you walk the dusty roads of Jerusalem and Bethlehem and all all these places of Judea and and northward and whatever, even down to Egypt, and probably in other places as well, and nobody had a clue who he was until he started his ministry. But even then, people didn't know who he was. No idea. Like, we walk among you, and you have no clue who we are. Now, there are some people who are translated beings who walk among us as well. You know, a lot of them, I believe, are homeless people walking around, you know, testing the saints. And the saints utterly fail most of the time with these people continuing on in Mormon chapter 1 verse 16, and I did endeavor to preach unto this people, but my mouth was shut, and I was forbidden that I should preach unto them, for behold, they had willfully rebelled against their God, and the beloved disciples were taken out of the land because of their iniquity, end quote. That's Mormon chapter 1 verse 16. And you know, one of my fears in, in Revelations chapter 2, it says that the candlestick will be taken out of your midst unless you repent. The candlestick is the servant of God, the anointed of God that is walking among you right now. And if the people will not repent and turn and, and be rebaptized and recommitted and receive priesthood and all these things, God's going to withdraw me from among you. And you'll be left to yourself, and I will go to another people, which is prophesied to happen. But, you know, there doesn't have to be the whole people, you know, being rejected. Some, The remnant, you know, there should be a remnant, and there will be. Mormon chapter 8, verse 10, And there is none that do know God, or know the true God, save it be the disciples of Jesus, who did carry in the land until the wickedness of the people was so great that the Lord would not suffer them to remain with the people. He's talking about the three Nephites. They did tarry, and you had no idea who they were unless they revealed themselves to you, but eventually they were withdrawn from the people because of the wickedness of the people. And they they made a return, and they started going among the saints back in the early portion of the Restoration, and people would speak to these people, and there's lots of, uh, you know, stories about the three Nephites, but over time, because of the wickedness of the people, because they turn away from God, they turn away from God's laws, and they, they mix the, the laws of Babylon and the laws of God, which is true wickedness, and so the three Nephites, they don't appear to the people anymore. Not not very often. They still do among the fundamentalists a little bit, and probably a little bit within the church, but for the most part they're gone. Continuing on, or some set said of the three Nephites, these three men tarried among the Nephites until between three and four hundred years after Christ, and until the wicked came so great that the Lord took them out of their midst. General Discourses Volume sixteen, page three hundred and twenty. In another place, it says, If they, the three Nephites, shall pray to the Father, says the Book of Mormon in the name of Jesus, they can show themselves unto whoso- or whatsoever person or people they choose. The very reason they do not come amongst us is because they have a work to do preparatory to their coming, and just as soon as that is accomplished, oh, I'm sorry, let's see. Oh, because we, I, I said they, because we have a work to do preparatory to, preparatory to their coming, and just as soon as that is accomplished, they are on hand and also many other good, old, worthy ancients that would rejoice um, our hearts, could we behold their countenance and people and countenance and hear them recite over the scenes they have passed through and the history of past events as well as prophesy of events to come. End quote. Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 264, and that was Orson Pratt. That today, from the 1880s to the present time, the appearances of these three have gradually diminished. The Lord apparently is not suffering them to remain with His people because of our wickedness and rejection of so many of the gospel principles. Page 48, Topic 30, The Second Comforter. Verily thus saith the Lord, it shall come to pass that every soul who will, not, or who will forsake his sin and come unto me and call on my name and obey my voice and keep my commandments shall see my face and know that I am. That's D&C section 93 verse 1. If we're doing what God wants us to do, we will see his face and know that he is. Continuing on, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 180 through 181, all priesthood is Melchizedek, but there are different portions or degrees of it. So that means the Aaronic priesthood is Melchizedek, the Melchizedek priesthood is Melchizedek, and the fullness of the priesthood is Melchizedek. That portion which brought Moses to speak with God face to face was taken away, but that which Brought the ministry of angels remains. That's the ironic. All the prophets had the Melchizedek priesthood and were ordained by God Himself. So when Denver Stanford says that he's seen Jesus Christ face to face, which I believe he did, and Joseph Smith saw him face to face without priesthood, right? But, <laughs> you know, uh, all the, let's see. What what does Joseph say? All the prophets have the Melchizedek priesthood. So when Denver Snuffer says that the Melchizedek priesthood does not remain on the earth anymore at this time, either he's not a prophet or he doesn't understand. I believe that he is a witness, but he still doesn't understand. Anyway, continuing on. Joseph Smith also said... When any man obtains this last comforter, he will have the personage of Jesus Christ to attend him or appear unto him from time to time. And even he will manifest the Father unto him, and they will take up their abode with him, and the visions of the heavens will be opened unto them, and the Lord will teach him face to face. Teaching to the Prophet, Joseph Smith, page 151. Continuing on, you have been indebted to other men in the first instance for, uh, for evidence on that you have acted, but it is necessary that you receive a testimony from heaven for yourselves so that you can bear testimony to the truth of the Book of Mormon that you have seen the face of God. That is more than the testimony of an angel. When the proper time arrives, you shall be able to bear this testimony to the world when you bear the testimony that you have seen God, this testimony God will never suffer to fall, but will bear you out. Although many will not give heed, yet others will. For that, You will therefore see the necessity of getting this testimony from heaven. Never cease striving until you have seen God face to face. Strengthen your faith, cast off your doubts, your sins, and all your unbelief. Nothing can prevent you from coming to God. Your ordination is not complete and um, full and complete until God has laid his hands upon you. He's talking to the apostles. We require as much to qualify as did. Um, Let me see here qualify us as did those who have gone before us, God is the same. If the Savior in former times laid his hands us, why not in better days? Dr. History of the Church, Volume Two, page one hundred ninety five and one hundred ninety six.
3: Let's see here.
1: Okay, but today for the past oh let's see eighty five ninety actually it would be a hundred and over a hundred and twenty years. There has been almost a silence concerning the the second comforter. The rarity of this manifestation is indicative of the saint's failure to abide by the laws that draw the people to him. Page 49, topic 31, Holy Ghost before Pentecost. In that day the Holy Ghost fell upon Adam, which beareth record of the Father and the Son. Moses chapter 5, verse verse 9 so, uh yeah, okay uh, Moses chapter one verse twenty four and it came to pass that when Satan had departed from the presence of Moses, and Moses lifted up his eyes into heaven, being full of the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of the Father and the Son, End quote let's see in another place, it says, and it came to pass after after I Nephi had heard all the the words of my father concerning the things which he spoke. By the power of the Holy Ghost, which power he received, by faith on the Son of God, the Son of God was the Messiah who should come. I, Nephi, desirous also that I might see and hear and know these things by the power of the Holy Ghost, which is the gift of God unto those who diligently seek him, as well in times of old as in times that he should manifest himself unto the children of men. For he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the way is prepared for all men from the foundation of the world, if it so be that they repent and come unto him, for he that diligently seeketh shall find. And the mysteries of God shall be unfolded unto them by the power of the Holy Ghost, as well in these times as in times of old, and as well in times of old as in times to come. Wherefore, the course of the Lord is one eternal round, and the Holy Ghost giveth authority that I should speak these things
3: and deny them not.
1: First Nephi chapter ten verses nineteen through or seventeen through nineteen and twenty two. Alma chapter eight verse thirty says, And Alma went forth and also Amuleth among the people that declare the words of God unto them, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. This is all before Jesus Christ. In Mark chapter 12, verse 36, it says, The scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning Judah. In D&C section 84, verse 27, John, whom God raised up, being filled with the Holy Ghost from his mother's womb. So that was before Jesus Christ. The Holy Ghost is there as well. Uh, in Luke chapter 1, verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it says, When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Page 50, it says, uh, let's see, this is Luke chapter two, twenty-five 25 and 26. Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. His name was actually Shamon, but, okay, Simeon and the King James. And the, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him, and it was revealed unto him by the, by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. But today, we are taught, during his mortal ministry, our Lord gave his disciples the gift of the Holy Ghost, but is, which is the right to the constant companionship of that member of the Godhead based on faithfulness. But as long as Jesus was with them, the actual enjoyment of the gift was withheld. Fulfillment of the promise... Came on the day of Pentecost with miraculous majesty attending the gift of tongues, and the interpretation was poured out upon a great multitude, and many conversations were made. And that was the false doctrine taught by Bruce R. McConkey, and you can find that in Mormon, Mormon Doctrine, page 181. The Mysteries, volume, uh, I mean, topic 32 on page 51. Just going to go down and see what... All right, so this is what they teach today. Leave the mysteries alone. We should keep our feet on the ground and not get off in the realm of the mysterious, the speculative, and the things which the Lord has not yet made plain. The discussion of mysteries and doctrines only partly revealed can await the coming of the Lord. And that was taught by Joseph F. Smith, written in the Doctrines of Salvation, Volume 1, Page 305 and 306. But let's see what the Lord has to say about this. Oh, and by the way, if you lack wisdom, ask God, right? Right? If you ask, God will reveal. If you are diligently seeking him, he will not reveal to people who tell everybody to not worry about the mysteries anymore. Anyway, uh, so let's see what the scriptures have to say about this. Um, In Mark chapter 13, 9 through 11, see also Mark chapter 4, verse 11 of the inspired version. It says, He answered and said unto them, Because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, to them it is not given. For whosoever receiveth, to him shall be given, and he shall have more abundance. But whosoever continueth to receive not, from him shall be taken even that which he hath. So if God is trying to give you stuff and you are not receiving the messengers that God is giving to you, then He'll just take it all away from you. Because uh, in, in Luke chapter nine, I think it is, it says, uh, "What does it profit a prophet demand? Though he, and this is the inspired version. What does it a prophet Though he gained the whole world and received not." He who God hath ordained, and yet he loses his his whole soul. That's perdition. That's destruction. You don't receive the profit that God brings to you because you know better? Do you know why God doesn't? Because they would just argue with him. Because they change his, his words around. He speaks them plainly, and people just change Change, change, change. Gospel is, uh, the gospel is not a gospel of change. It is a gospel that is the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Alma chapter 12, verse 10, it says, "And he that will will not harden his heart. So he's like a little child. To him is given the greater portion of the world uh, of the word, until it is given unto him to know the mysteries of God, until he know them in full." And of where's my scriptures? Are they in the car still or are they over there? I, I want to look at this because there's a little bit more to this that I want to – because it says right after this that if you if you don't uh, accept the the, uh, the mysteries and, and you reject them, that God will actually take them, or take everything away from you eventually, and you'll be left to yourself. Thank you, Emma. So we're going to go to Alma chapter 12. Shouldn't be that hard. I got my scriptures right here in hand. Chapter 12, verse 10. And I have marked these scriptures up all kinds of crazy ways. Let's see. Okay, and this is verse 11. And they that will harden their hearts, to them is given the lesser portion of the world, the word. Until they know nothing concerning the mysteries, and then they are taken captive by the devil, and led by his will down to destruction. Now, this is what is meant by the chains of hell. Now, if the church once knew the mysteries, and now they, they're in the basics and they don't talk about the mysteries or even know the mysteries, well, let's see, what does it say? And they will harden their hearts. To them is given the lesser portion of the word, so the ABC portion of the gospel, until they know nothing concerning the mysteries. And that's where you're at in the church today. Oh, Continuing on, in uh, Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page uh, 309, it says, Many uh, many men will say, I will never forsake you, but will stand by you at all times. But the moment you teach them some of the mysteries of the kingdom of God that are retained in the heavens and are to be revealed to the children of men, when they are prepared for them, they will be the first to stone you and put you to death. It was the same principle that crucified the Lord Jesus and will cause the people to kill the prophets in this generation. End quote.
3: Wow, I don't even know what to say.
1: Uh, and it's it's kind of interesting because people who are whole, so uh, you know they've got their rose-colored glasses on and they're brainwashed by the church and the whole follow the, uh, the prophet ma- mantra. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to these people because you can't actually show them anything. They will jump around it and skip around it as much as they can and not actually – I don't know. Anyway, continuing, Doctrine and Covenant section 6, verse 11. Oh, by the way, if anybody wants to call in to make comments or questions, uh, the guest call number is – ready for it? 516 387 sixteen forty one that's five one six three eight seven sixteen forty one and I will kind of try to keep my eye on the studio a little bit. All right, let's see I got it up on the other screen. I've got the text on this screen and I've got the book right next to us just in case the uh, the internet goes down. So and if thou will inquire, thou shalt know the mysteries which are great and marvelous. therefore, Thou shalt exercise thy gift, that thou mayest find out the mysteries, that thou mayest bring many to the knowledge of the truth, yea, and convince them of the errors of their ways. BNC section 6, verse 11, it also talks about these things in section 42, 61 through 65, section 107, verse uh, 11, Uh, section 84, verse 19, and section 76, verses 116.
2: So, there you go. All
1: right. Now, the only warning against the mysteries were for the missionaries not to teach them to the Gentiles because of the danger of persecution. You can find that in Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 292. Actually, Emmett, can you go downstairs? and on the game shelf is a book that's blue, and it is the Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith. It's about this big, and it's... It's a paperback book, and, yeah, I just – I don't know if there's a candle on it because you guys do so many weird things down in the playroom. I have no idea what's going on, so I don't ever go into the playroom. It's like, that's the kid's area. We go in there every once in a while to clean up and throw things away. (laughs) But today the church teaches you, like I said – Joseph F. Smith, leave the mysteries alone. We should keep our feet on the ground. You know why he said this? Because they didn't have answers to the mysteries. And they were not getting them as prophets of God. So when people would ask about different things, what are we supposed to do? Well, and that found it. All right, let's see. I want to read this, page 292. Let's see what Joseph had to say about this. I can find it. Oh, one more page. Okay, so this section is section 6. These were received between 1843 and 1844. Not received, but this is what he said. All right. O ye elders of Israel, hearken to my voice, and when you are sent into the world to preach, tell those things... Um, you are sent to tell, preach and cry aloud. Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Declare the first principles and let the mysteries alone, lest ye be overthrown. So that was a provision. Don't talk about the mysteries, you know, uh, when you're doing missionary work because, and it was for their own safety, lest you be overthrown. All right. Uh, never meddle with the vision. Visions of the beast and the subjects you do not understand. Elder Brown, when you go to Palmyra, say nothing about the four beasts. That was a mystery that he knew about. But preach those things the Lord has told you to preach about, repentance and baptism for the remission of sin. Now, why do I talk about the mysteries? Because I'm talking to the saints. This radio broadcast is meant to go out to the saints. Not to convert people, although people have converted they come into the Church of the Living Messiah, and some people come in, go into the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints because of this program. That's not my goal. My goal is to teach the people who are already here in the fold to accept the mysteries and, quote, rejecting the fullness of the gospel. That's my goal. So anyway – I'm not going to get into this, but it may, that's the point that, that um, Joseph Smith made. You know, don't teach the mysteries when you're doing missionary work. All right. So uh, Joseph S. Smith says, Leave the mysteries alone. We should keep our feet on the ground and not get off in the realm of the mysterious, the speculative, and the things which the Lord has not yet made plain. But so many things were made plain in the school of the prophets, and then the church just rejected them. They just And they, uh, because they reject the gospel, what happens? They have it taken away until they're down to the ABC portion of the gospel. Well, on page 52, topic 33, prophets. And are built upon the,
3: uh,
1: I hate it when they do this, because he's like giving half quotes. Okay, so, oh, I got to get my Bible, which is over here. Hold on here. So we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, which I am pulling out right now. And I use the King James Version of the Bible. And, oh my gosh, we open right up to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. But we want to be in verse 22, or I mean in chapter 2, I'm sorry. Okay, verse 20. I'll read verse 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone thereof. I added that part, chief cornerstone. Let's see here. I'm going to read another part because there's another part in Ephesians chapter 4 that's just perfect. All right. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll read verse 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, and 14. All right. That, um, oh, we'll read more than that. There is one body and one spirit, even as ye call in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One fa- our God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ, wherein he saith when he ascended upon high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that, that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He descended as the same that also ascended up far above all heavens, that he might fulfill all things. So he's talking about the church, that there should be one God, one faith, one baptism, right? So now I'm talking to the rest of the world out here just for a minute. Um, One God So Jesus Christ said That there is one greater than him And that he's the father There's none good but one And that is God And that's what Jesus said right That's because Jesus is the son of God He is a God He is not the God He brings you into the presence of God But he's not He's not the father He's not the Father, there's only one Father There's one Lord of all One faith and one baptism So one church One church Uh, Well apostasy makes it Many churches right And one baptism not sprinkling And baptism of the heart Because you accept Christ into your heart And you know You've got head dunking and full body immersion Which is the correct way to do it But not correct if it's not done with authority of the priesthood you know, sprinkling. I mean, heck, you could probably take, there's probably cults out there that call themselves churches that baptize people with score guns. You know, <laughs> there's all kinds of craziness going on today. Okay, but later on in Ephesians, chapter 11, it said, And he, Jesus Christ, gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Now, get this: till we all come to the unity of the faith. Have we all come to the unity yet? No. God has not done away with these offices, which includes apostles and prophets. And did you know, after Jesus Christ was murdered, and Joseph Smith, I mean not, uh, Judas Iscariot um, was dead. They chose another apostle. And when one uh, apostle was knocked off, they chose another apostle because it was meant to be a continuing authority thing, that there should have been 12 apostles that were in leadership over the church. Now, if the Catholic church is the true church on the earth, as they proclaim, where's their apostles? Where's their prophets? Right here it says, that these things are till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning our cunning craftiness whereby they lay in white to deceive. So God is basically giving Two nails to the church. He's giving prophets and apostles. Eyewitnesses of God and they who receive. Thus saith the Lord revelation. In Second Kings chapter 21 verse 10, it said the Lord spake by his servants the prophets. So God is the same yesterday, today, and forever if he spoke to his prophets once. Now a lot of people are like, well, there's no need for prophets anymore today. Well, what about the two witnesses? Are they not eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ? Are they not apostles? They are, and they're prophets as well, before the second coming of Jesus Christ, because he never did away with prophets and apostles. The prophet Amos, chapter 3, verse 7, says, Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he reveals his secrets unto his servants, the prophets. So if there is a whole bunch of stuff coming down the pike, and God is, giving his message out to prophets. Well, that's what he does. Amos talks about it. All right. Joseph F. Smith said in Gospel Doctrine, if the time or condition should come to pass that, that a man possessing human weaknesses shall lead the church, will be into the church, for it will be, then become like the churches of the world, man-made and man-led, and have no power over uh, power of God or of life eternal and salvation connected with it. Only the wisdom and judgments of um, and judgment of intelligent men. So Joseph F. Smith knew right there that if the time ever came that that these people, these these leaders, would be Um, More like man then the church would fall Because the weakness Let's see I'm going to put that right here I'm just going to Put that on my Facebook group here I love this Facebook group Because I can just say whatever I need to say And they can't kick me off Because I'm the owner of it Even though most of the people don't realize I'm the owner of it Oops I'll just do that one right there I, you know, I've had people report me to myself when I post, um, you know, they they report me to myself to kick myself off of Facebook. It's like, seriously, people? So we've got 1,431 members in that group right now. So. And most of the people just keep their mouths shut. Some people like to fight against me and others like to agree with me. Oddly enough,
2: Um, but whatever.
1: Anyway, uh, Bishop Heber Benyon proclaims in Gospel Problems, uh, page 6, we are told that the living oracles take precedent over all other authority, living or dead. We agree that the living oracles take precedent, provided they do not conflict with dead oracles. This drives me nuts. An oracle simply means the, the words of God given to the prophet, not the prophet himself. An oracle of God is the thus saith the revelation given to the prophet, not the prophet himself. And God is not going to conflict with his past oracles, with his past words. And if he did, and if it does, you can know for a surety that the oracle is, is from a false spirit. And now the prophets of today's church, they say that they're the oracles, that they are the oracles, one of the saints. But they simply don't understand what the meaning of the word oracle actually is. To the law, and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Isaiah chapter eight, verse twenty. If it is true that the living oracles or the words of God take precedence over all other, regardless, and and he didn't have a correct understanding. I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna say it the way he should have said it. And if it is true that the living apostles take precedent over all others, regardless of their disagreement with the dead prophets, then the saints must necessarily change their faith every time there's a change in the presidency to conform to the views of the new president. End quote, Bishop Heberbenian, Gospel Problems, page 6. But today, let's see who said this. At this point, we recall the striking words of the late Elder B.H. Roberts, who struck, stri- struck the tabernacle pulpit as he exclaimed, We have prophets who do not prophesy, seers who do not see, and revelators who do not revelate. August, uh, Truth, August Truth Magazine, August 1952, uh, Volume 18, Page 3, also on page 83 And uh, if you don't know who B.H. Roberts was His name was Brigham Heber Roberts And he was a president over the 70 of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints And he said that from the pulpit And I'm surprised they did not uh, excommunicate him Because they actually knew that it was right Because they don't prophesy, they do not revelate And they do not see, and they are not translators Page 53, topic 34, Sears and the Urim and Thummim. Ezra had a Urim and Thummim, and also Nehemiah. Joseph in Egypt had the same gift. Uh, you can find that in Naphtal, Discourses of Orson Pratt, page 557. The brother of Jared had the Urim and Thummim. Aaron had a Urim and Thummim. Joshua had a Urim and Thummim. <coughs> Lehi and Nephi had a year month It was also possessed by Eleazar the priest. We can find that in Numbers chapter 27, 18 through 21. And the priest who recited with Micah had a year month Judges chapter 18, verses 5 through 6. The priests who lived in the city of Nob, First uh, Samuel chapter 22, verse 18. It was also in existence at the time of King David and talked about in 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 6. In Abraham chapter 3, verse 1, it says, And I, Abraham, have the Urim and Thummim, which the Lord my God gave unto me in the Ur of the Chaldees. So Abraham had a Urim and Thummim. Uh, Levit- Leviticus chapter 8 Verses 5 and 8 The Lord said unto the congregation This is the thing which the Lord commanded To be done And he put the breastplate plate upon him And he put upon the breastplate The Urim and Dumbum. So what the Urim and Thummim is Is you have a breastplate with these things That come out from the chest They are stones Set in these breastplates Basically crystals or eyepieces And you're able to use them to be a seer to translate records. Uh, King Mosiah had, I think King Mosiah had them. I can't remember. It's talked about in the Book of Mormon as well. They translated ancient records with them. They received thus saith the Lord revelation from them, and they saw visions using them. Joseph Smith had them, and Joseph Smith eventually didn't need them anymore. Since when you're a seer, uh, when you you start off. Usually with a seer stone. God gives you a seer stone, right? Or a urine Thummim. But you get to the point where you don't need them anymore. I've never needed them. Samuel uses one now. And I know other people who use seer stones. But I've never needed a seer stone. I've never used one to to see or receive uh, the word revelations or visions. <laughs> Excuse me. In Mosiah chapter 8, verse 13, it says, Now Ammon said unto them, I can assuredly tell thee, O king, a man that can tra- uh, of a man that can translate the records, he's a seer, he's a seer stone, for he has wherewith he can look, and he has the Urim and Thummim, and translate all records that are of ancient date, and it is the gift of God. So it is talked about in Mosiah chapter 8, verse 13. In Mosiah chapter 21, verse 28, it says, And now Lemhi was again filled with joy in learning from the mouth of Ammon that the king Mosiah had a gift of God. Oh, it was. Yes, awesome. I remembered it. That the king Mosiah had a gift from God, whereby he could interpret such engravings. Yea, and Ammon also did rejoice. Because king Mosiah... Was actually king over the kingdom. But did you know Mosiah is a, is a word that was uh, very close related to Messiah. King Mosiah was over the kingdom. Alma, Alma, the elder, was over the church. Uh, when there was a, a hard thing in in the church, Alma deferred to King Mosiah and, and said, "Hey, can you handle this?" And King Mosiah had his priests. Which is over the church See there's the twelve in the church And the presidency And then there's the kingdom Which is over the church And King Mosiah was the king Over the church In the kingdom And he had a gift Whereby he was a seer as well Where he could interpret things That's what happens When you are a seer that's one of the gifts of being a seer. <laughs> Excuse me. Doctrine and Covenants, verse uh, section 5, verse 4, it says, And you have a gift to translate the plates, and this is the first gift that I bestow upon you. He's talking to Joseph. This is Jesus talking to Joseph Smith. And I have commanded that you should pretend to no other gift until my purpose is fulfilled in this, for I will grant unto you no other gift until it is finished. Brigham Young... <clears throat> Oh, no, I'm sorry. It's Heber C. Kimball, Journal of Discourses, Volume 2, page 111. Has Brother Brother Brigham Young got the Urim and Thummim? Yes, he he has everything that is necessary for him to receive the will and mind to this people. Do I know it? Yes, I know all about it. Well, that's interesting, because wasn't the Urim and Thummim taken away from Joseph Smith? He did get. A seer stone back, but I don't know if he got the Yerim and Thummim back after the whole 116 pages the de- uh, debacle. But apparently Brigham had the Yerim and Thumbel. Interesting, and you know I've heard in the church that they, um, I've heard people talk about how they have well they have the one seer stone that's chocolate egg colored. I don't know if they know how to use it. Because you have to have the gift of being a seer to use the seer stone You can't just pick it up and think that you're going to use it It's a gift from God But anyway, today, in the church today Hugh B. Brown stated I do not know of any Urim and Thummim used in the church today October 10, 1969 University of Utah Institute of Religion That is my favorite institute of religion to go to That place is awesome Oh, I love that. I love it there, uh, especially, um, oh, I can't remember his name, Christiansen, my my prof- professor that was, his last name was Christiansen. I can't remember his first name, but I can see his face. Oh, that's so awesome. None of the other apostles or members of the first presidency have given a testimony of the year, month, from month, of the year, either. Interesting. So God took it away from them. All right, page 54, topic 35, Revelators. Behold, the uh, the days come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a famine of thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord, or in other words, of hearing the oracles of God, not the prophets, the words of God. And they shall wander from sea to sea and from north even to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. Amos chapter eight verses eleven and twelve. All right, let's see here. Doctrine of Covenant seventy six verses seven and eight, and to them will I reveal all the mysteries, yea, all the hidden mysteries of my kingdom from days of old and ages to come, will I make known unto them the good pleasure of my will concerning all things pertaining to my kingdom. Yea, even the wonders of eternity shall they know, and things to come will I show unto them, even the uh, things of many generations. So God wants to reveal the mysteries to people, but he can't when they are only the ABC portion because they reject the mysteries, and they, they reject the deeper meat of the gospel, which it says they would in Isaiah chapter 28, when the one mighty and strong comes among the drunkards of Ephraim in the last days, it says all their tables are full of vomit and filth. Why? It's because they have rejected the meat of the everlasting gospel, and they look upon it like vomit and filth. We are talking about the gathering of Israel, plural celestial marriage, multiple mortal probations, the united order, the law of consecration. And the list goes on and on. The temple endowments have been changed. The garments have been changed. I mean, like I said, even the washings and the anointings have been changed. I mean, in the Salt Lake Temple, there was actually bathtubs for you to receive your washings. And anointings When I received my washings and anointings In the church They dab my head with water I hear today That they don't even do that They just put their hands on your head And recite a little bit of a portion Of what was originally given But they don't ever actually have water involved Now let's look at another uh, Correlation Or not correlation not, Let's see Okay the Catholic Church. They had baptism by immersion for the remission of sins. They eventually got rid of that and got down to the point where Constantine was like, oh, it's okay. And he hijacked the church, by the way. He was not a prophet of God. He hijacked the church. They stopped doing water immersion baptism because Constantine was too sick to get out of his deathbed and he thought, well, maybe I ought to be baptized into the church that I decided to found, find, or found, whatever, or to bring together, or hijack, basically. So but he was too sick to be baptized by immersion, so he thought, I, just, I decree that it's okay for you to sprinkle my head with some water, and that will be a baptism. It's not the same. Okay, the washings in the temple had full baths for washings, and now it's uh, when I went through it in the 90s, it was a a dab of water on the forehead. That's the washings, and now they don't even do that. It is the same as the Catholic Church changing baptism. You cannot change the ordinances and the way things are done. God gave it to us a certain way, and if he wanted to give us a streamlined version of it, he gave it that way. let begin with, how dare the drunkards of Ephraim do these things? They have no right and no authority, and they are one with the son of perdition that's talked about in Second Thessalonians, that raises himself. Or right, he he um, sits in the temple of God, uh, professing to be God. Oh, I gotta, I gotta look it up. Second Thessalonians chapter two. I used to have the scripture memorized, but let's just look it up right here. Okay, in Ephesians, it's still there. Thessalonians. All right, here's Second Thessalonians. Oh, okay. So that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And that man, the sin of uh, this man of sin, be revealed the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Well, this is talking about, okay, so this Second, Second Thessalonians was given after Jesus Christ When has there been a prophet sitting in the temple Since today days of Jesus Christ Only the tribe of Ephraim It's talking about Ephraim right here Now the church wants to say This is the scripture that shows there would be an apostasy But they, they twist it to meet their own ends And let's read it again Okay, remember this is a letter of Paul to the Thessalonian saints after the, or after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. There have been no more prophets, prophets of God, which you have to be a prophet to be a son of perdition, right? No more prophets of God in that age. And in fact, shortly after this, the temple of God was destroyed. All right, so let's look at it again. For that day shall not come falling away first. That's the apostasy, or basically a mutiny in the church. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. So what does it take to be a son of perdition? You have to be a prophet of God, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called of God, because he is the president of the church. Or that is worship so that he, as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. And why does God say this? Because he changes things. He changes ordinances. He changes the way they confer the priesthood. He changes who they give the priesthood to. He changes the ordinances, the washings, anointings, the endowments, as a prophet of God, without revelation no revelation at all, but he says that he can do it because he has the authority, right? So he, let's see here, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he is, or he as God, sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, this fits the LDS people. They have changed the ordinances. They have changed the gospel. They have rejected the fullness of the gospel and they've rejected who Jehovah is, who Michael is, who Jesus is. They've rejected and they've they've made the church into their own image, not understanding the mysteries of God, because they reject the mysteries and it is taken away from them. That's why They have the ABC portion of the gospel. Joseph Smith said, We can never comprehend the things of God and of heaven, but by revelation. We may spiritualize and express opinion to all eternity, but it is no authority. Teachings of the Prophet Joseph Smith, page 292. Brigham Young said, I do not care who leads the church, even though it were Anne Lee. Uh, Ann Lee was a uh, uh, leader of the church. I can't remember which one. Uh, Presbyterian or Seventh-day Adventist. I, I don't know. Actually, let's see if we can find it here. This would be a good place to review this.
3: Who was
1: Anne Lee? Oh, it's going to be slow here. Who was in B? Who was in B? Okay, let's see here. So we got a Wikipedia. She was the leader of the United Society Society of Believers in Christ, Second Appearing, or the Shakers. Oh, so she was the leader of the Shakers. Okay. So Brigham Young's like, I don't care who leads the church, even if it was this lady Anne Lee. But one thing I must know, and that is what God says about it. I have the keys and the means of obtaining the mind of God on the subject. Brigham Young, our doctrinal history of the church, volume 7, page 230. So I want to know how he got the keys. He said he got the keys in the Red Brick store which he said was the fullness of the priesthood, but in section 124, Jesus says that the only way the fullness of the priesthood is going to be restored is if the people build the temple and the, whole, and the Most High, the Father, comes to dwell the therein. That But he restores it unto them. So how in the world did Brigham get the keys? If he had keys at all, he had keys of the Melchizedek priesthood, which maybe he did. You know, it's interesting that the successor... To Joseph Smith with Hiram And God took them both Which left a huge mess With the church And Jesus said if you do not do These things uh, build the temple Unto me in the acceptable time You will be rejected With your dead uh, The church will be Rejected with your dead uh,
3: Actually let's read
1: that real quick Oh 124 Love these scriptures Oh wait, it's it's closer to I'm looking at a different, okay For this ordinance, oh wait For a baptismal font there is not found on the earth that they may My saints may be baptized For those who are dead for this belongeth to my house and cannot be acceptable to me only in the days of your poverty, wherein they are not able to build a house unto me. But I commend you, all ye my saints, to build a house unto me, and grant unto and I grant unto you a sufficient time to build a house unto me. During this time your baptism shall be acceptable unto me. Okay, now get this. Jesus in section 124 verses 27 and 28. Jesus says, Build a house unto my name for the time who dwell therein, for the rest place found on the earth, that he may come to and restore again that which was lost unto you, or which he hath taken away, even the fullness of the priesthood. Jesus says, I command you to build this house unto me in my name, and I give you a sufficient time to build it unto me. Then during this time that you're building it, I will accept your baptisms from the dead, right? But behold, at the end of this appointment, your baptisms for your dead shall not be acceptable unto me. And if you do not these things at the end of the appointment, ye shall be rejected as a church with your dead. saith the Lord your God. Now the Father never came to that temple because it was never finished, but neither did Jesus Christ. So I believe that uh, God did strive with the church, but uh, they were rejected from uh, the higher ordinances because they never had us. Oh, let's see. Jesus also says, "Verily I say unto you, Let this house be built unto my name, that I may reveal mine ordinances therein unto my people." Okay, that's another thing too. God wanted to reveal the ordinances in the temple, but it was never finished. I never came to the temple. For I deign to reveal unto my church things which have been kept hidden from the foundation of the world, things that pertain to the dispensation of the times, and I will show unto my servant Joseph all things pertaining this house and the priesthood thereof, and, and the place whereupon it should be built. And ye shall build it on the place where ye have contemplated building it and not do, for that is the spot where I have chosen for you to build it. And if ye labor diligently with all your might, I will consecrate that spot that it shall be made holy. And if my people will hearken unto my voice, unto the voice of my servants whom I have appointed to lead my people, behold, verily I say unto you, they shall not be moved out of their place. So if you build a temple, I will, you know, you're not going to be removed out of non But if they will not hearken unto my voice, nor unto the voice of these men whom I have appointed, they shall not be blessed, because they have polluted mine holy grounds, and mine holy ordinances and charters, and my holy words which I give unto them. And it shall come to pass that if you build a house unto my name, and do not these things which I say, I will not perform the oath which I make unto you, neither fulfill the promises which ye ex- expect at my hand," saith the Lord. Verse 48 of section 124, For instead of blessing, ye, sh- ye by your own works bring cursings, wrath, indignation, and judgment upon your own heads by your follies and by all your abominations which you expect before me, saith the Lord. Interesting, isn't it? And these things you will never be taught in church. All right. And the iniquity and transgression of my holy laws and commandments will I visit upon the head of those who hinder my work. What's the work? Building the temple. So everyone who hinders the work or drags their feet, God will bring a curse. And the iniquity and transgression of my holy laws and commandments I will visit upon the head, heads of those who hindered my work unto the third and fourth generation. And how long is that? Well, we know that one generation of Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness was 40 years. So three generations would be 120 years, and four would be 160 years. Now, isn't it interesting but exactly, you know, Joseph Smith died in 1844, and 160 years later you have the sign of the coming of the one mighty and strong. Spoken of in Section 120, or uh, spoke, spoken of in Section 28, also in Section 85, waves heaving themselves beyond their bounds. And the Indonesian earthquake that killed 250,000 people one day and left millions homeless, that was the big the science of the coming of the one mighty and strong and it was exactly 160 years after Methuselah was murdered or taken away from us God said that he would fight our battles for us and we would not be removed from our place but what happened we did we have did he fight our battles for us were we allowed to stay in Nauvoo It happened. We did receive those cursings, and we were rejected as a people. And you know what? God didn't strike with us a little bit. He tried to get us to continue because the curse, you know, would be basically God would hide his face from us for a little season, and then if we were obedient, what would happen? We would, you know, be able to come out of the curse. If you don't do what God says, well, what happens then? Well, you just remain cursed, and God has to choose another people. So, anyway, we've gone on too much about this. But anyway, in reference to Hugh Jay Grant, a church, uh, a church member, stated, speaking of uh, speaking of attending a certain meeting with the president of the temple, he said to the president, he said the president came to the meeting and. The, the emotion of tears And informed the brethren Present he had pled with the Lord For direction in certain matters That could get done He said that heaven deserves brass over me Truth magazine February 1939 Page 175 Alright well That's almost the end of the two hour Program and we don't have Anybody in the chat room and we have no Callers so I think we're going to leave it at that point and I am going to uh, let's see, we'll come back tomorrow and talk about apostles. Um, hold on, I'm trying to I a note here of where
3: we're at before I get going. That's good enough. Okay. That. All right,
1: so that's, that's the program tonight. I think we're just going to be done with it. Thanks for listening to the program. Uh, everyone take care. God bless. Um, I guess I'll just play Lukewarm 1 and Lukewarm look, uh, look 2. So get
4: you know, right out there. Here we go. First, and that is the truth. And if you don't want to talk about the truth, then turn off the TV right now. 20th. 1775 many are called few are chosen why because the many are walking in darkness at noonday. where do you find that doctrine and covenants 95 5 through 6 think about it the, the most the majority of people are walking in darkness at noon day are you part of those people that are walking in darkness out of the DNC 131, verse 6, quote, It is impossible for a man to be saved in ignorance. This is stuff that you need to ponder. It is impossible for a man to be saved in ignorance. On leading people astray, Brigham Young said this in the Journal of Discourses, And if he, the Lord, should suffer him, Joseph Smith, to lead the people astray, it would be because they ought to be led astray. If he should suffer them to be chastened and some of them destroyed, it would be because they deserve it. And this is Brigham Young. It's in the Journal of Discourses. And what makes the Journal of Discourses so accurate is Brigham Young himself was the chief editor of the Journal of Discourses. What does the Lord tell us to do? Waste and wear out our lives doing what, and here's what it says in Doctrine and Covenants 123:12 12 12-14, For there are many yet on the earth, among all sects, parties, and denominations, who are blinded by the subtle craftiness of men, whereby they lie and wait to deceive, and who are only kept from the truth, because they know not where to find it. That's what we're going to do today. We're going to show you the documentation and where you can find it. Therefore, the Lord says, we should waste and wear out our lives. Did you hear that? We should waste and wear out our lives in bringing to light all hidden things of darkness, wherein we know, we know them and they are truly manifest from heaven. And these should then be attended to with great earnestness. So the Lord here says we need to waste and wear to lies, exposing darkness because people don't know where to find it. And we are going to show you the documentation, and that's what this video is all about. is showing you the evidence and the documentation uh, of sources so you can check it out for yourself. Again, the Lord commands us as, as being watchmen who raise the warning voice saves their own soul. In verse 3 of Ezekiel 33, it says, And if he seeth the sword come upon the land, he bloweth the trumpet. And warn the people. And whosoever heareth the sound of the trumpet and taketh not warning, if the sword come and taketh him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. And he that heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his own soul. So it's important here to take warning and pass it along. But if the watchman seeth the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and taketh any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood uh, will I require at the watchman's hand, saith the Lord. So there is no abs- no. There's no escaping God's judgment. You cannot ignore the warning. I I am commanded to warn you, and you are commanded to warn your neighbor, and that's what the Lord commands us to do. All saints are commanded to sit on the watchman's tower and watch for the enemy in sheep clothing. And uh, that is to warn our neighbor. It is not to say all sheep are good and positive and negative. The positive and negative does not exist in the scriptures. It's right and wrong. We are commanded to sit on the tower to watch for the enemy. The enemy are those who dress in sheep clothing and they are not sheep, they are wolves. We should all be skeptical You never know that if I am telling you the truth or somebody else is telling the truth, how do you know what is the truth unless you actually look to see for yourself? So please check out all the documentation that I show you in this video and confirm it for yourself whether it is true or not. What did Joseph Smith say about following the prophet? He says that they, church members, were depending on the prophet Hence were darkened in their minds. And you could look that up in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page two hundred thirty-seven and thirty-eight. In the Book of Mormon, in Messiah chapter fifteen, verse thirteen, King Messiah alluded to prophets which have fallen into transgression. And he says, Yea, and are not the prophets every one that has opened his mouth to prophesy that has not fallen into transgression? I mean all the holy prophets ever since the world began. There has never been a prophet that has never fallen into transgression. That's right here in the Book of Mormon. So you can read it for yourself. Mosiah, chapter 15, verse 13. Of course, in Jeremiah, chapter 5, verse 31, Jeremiah says the prophets that prophesy falsely. And he goes on in Jeremiah, chapter 14, and he says the prophets prophesy lies in my name. See, in my name, the Lord's name. I sent them not, neither have I commanded them, neither spake unto them. They prophesy unto you falsely and in a false vision or a divi- divination and a thing of naught. And then you go and read also in Jeremiah chapter 3, 23 is the whole chapter. And it says here in the chapter, verse 11, for both prophet and priest are profane. Yea, in my house I have found their wickedness. Whose house? In my house, the Lord's house, he says, I have found their wickedness. And then it goes on, verse twenty. He says, In the latter days, ye shall, ye shall consider it perfectly. So he's saying here, in the last days, history repeats. It repeats again. I found both, found both the prophet and the priest are profane. Ye, in my house, I found their wickedness. And then in Ezekiel, down here below, here's some more. I mean, the scriptures are nothing but telling how history repeats over and over and over. And Ezekiel chapter 30, 13, Ezekiel chapter 22, Ezekiel chapter 34, there's just too much to read. It just goes on and on. Here in the Doctrine and Covenants, following the prophet, the Lord, to the prophet Joseph Smith, quote, and behold, how often you, Joseph Smith, have transgressed the commandments, and the laws of God, and have gone on, on in the persuasion of man. And he says, For behold, you, Joseph Smith, should not have feared man more than God, although men set at naught the counsels of God and despise his word. Read it for yourself, d 3, verses 6 through 7. Okay, pay attention to this. Can the prophet be excommunicated? Look up Doctrine and Covenants, section 1, 107. Let's go on and read this. Verse 82. And inasmuch as the president of the high priesthood shall, trans- shall transgress, he shall be had in remembrance before the common council of the church, who shall be assisted by the twelve counselors of the high priesthood. And their decision upon his head shall be the end of controversy concerning him. Thus none shall be exempt from the justice and the laws of God. None not even the prophet and president of the church and it's right there in the doctrine and covenants this is out of James 4 4 it says the friendship of the world is an enmity with God whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God and if you look under the LDS footnote in their enmity is opposition so we see here that if you're a friend of the world you're an enemy of God this is out of the thedeseretnews.com, uh, Thursday, January 4, 2001. President Hinckley on most admired list. For the second time, LDS leader Garns number one in the poll of Americans. And it goes on that Gordon B. Hinckley has beat, beat people like Bill Gates, Jimmy Carter, George Bush, Michael Jordan, Jesse Jackson, Colin Powell, uh, John Paul the Pope, uh, he just goes on and on, Tiger Woods, anyway, he is the most popular of the, of the world's uh, popular leaders. And what does the scriptures tell us about being popular or friends of the world? Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. For so did their fathers to the false prophets. Luke 6, verse 26. What did Brigham Young say about the friendship of the world? In the Journal Discourses, he said, There is nothing that would soon weaken my hope and discourage me as to see this people in full fellowship with the world and receive no more persecution from them because they are one with them. In such an event, we might bid farewell to the Holy Priesthood with all its blessings, privileges, and aids to exaltations, principalities, and powers in the eternities of the gods Brigham young april 8 1862 journal discourses volume 10 page 32 what did heber j grant say in the salt lake tribune he says my greatest happiness my greatest happiness i find in the goodwill and friendship that has developed among all classes of people at home and abroad towards the latter-day saint church during my lifetime in place of everyday persecution and bitterness, we now enjoy the high regard and the happy association with all denominations. Heber J. Grant, November 22, 1938, Salt Lake Tribune. Again, Brigham Young stated, it is easy to lead people astray. Quote, Brigham Young, I have often said to the Latter-day Saints, live so you will know whether I teach you the truth or not. Suppose you are careless careless and unconcerned and give way to the spirit of the world and I am led likewise to preach the things of this world and to accept the things that are of, that are not of God. And he goes on to say how easy it would be for me to lead you astray but I say to you live so you will know whether for yourself whether I tell you the truth or not this is the way we want all saints to live Brigham Young Journal of Discourses volume 18 page 248 in the doctrine and covenants the Lord says upon my house it shall begin quote verily verily I say unto you grow, darkness coverth the earth and gross darkness in the minds of the people And all flesh has become corrupt before my face. Do you leave anybody out? For behold, vengeance cometh speedily upon the inhabitants of the earth, a day of wrath, a day of burning, a day of desolation, a day of weeping, of mourning, and a lamentation. And as a whirlwind, it shall come upon all the face of the earth, saith the Lord. And upon whose house? The Lord's house, my house, shall it begin. And from whose house? My house shall it go forth, saith the Lord. Listen to this. goes on to say, First among those among you, saith the Lord, who have professed to know my name and have not known me, and have blasphemy against me in the midst of my house, saith the Lord. So first among those people, those leaders who profess to know the Lord, and they say they know him, but the Lord says, hey, they don't know me. But what they do is they blaspheme against me in the midst of my house, the midst of my church, saith the Lord. Talk about the last days. You can read this in DNC and 112, 23 through 26. Listen carefully what Brigham Young said. Quote, If a man is called to be a prophet, and the gift of prophecy is poured upon him, though he afterwards actually defies the power of God and turns away from the holy commandments, that man will continue in his gift and will prophesy lies. He will make false prophecies, yet he will do it by the spirit of prophecy, yet he will feel that he is a prophet and can prophesy, but he does it by another spirit and power than that which was given him of the Lord. Bring him young. Journal of Discourses, three, uh, page 364. What does, the book, what does the, book, the book of Mormon say about how the church... The Lord's church is only overthrown only by the transgression of my people. In Mosiah 27, verse 13. Now listen to this very carefully. It says, For the Lord has said, This is my church, and I will establish it, and nothing shall overthrow it save it is the transgression of my people. See, nothing can overthrow the church except for the transgression of my people. Mosaiah 27:13. Now all you have to do is look up the definition of transgression, and this is what the definition is: transgression equals sin, sin equals apostasy, blasphemy, disobedience, iniquity, pollute, trespass, abomination, bondage, carnal mind, corruption, natural man, error, wickedness, etc. LDS Topical Guide Index Webster Dictionary. So right here. You could see how easy it is to, 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 to have the church is uh, church will be overthrown by the transgression of my people. Nothing has changed in the history of the world. This is the biggest key of understanding truth. Joseph Smith warned how to tell teaching and revelations from the devil by their contradicting of former revelations. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page two fourteen to fifteen. So here we see that Joseph Smith tells us how to tell whether a teachings of the devil or of God, and if it's of the devil, it will be contrary to a former revelation or a teaching. So here we have to dig into the scriptures and into the past, and if anything that contradicts a former revelation, as Joseph Smith said, it will be foretold by the contradicting of a former revelation. Old also in the DNC three verse two, it says, "The Lord never varies from that which he has said. He never does or else the DNC is incorrect. But everything complements each other, and that's how you know it's of God. If it doesn't doesn't complement each other, then you know that it's of the devil. The Lord God gives us our free agency. He says, All be damned who believe not the truth, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them a strong delusion that they should believe a lie. And it goes on and it says that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but have pleasures and unrighteousness. Second Thessalonians uh, 2, verse uh, 10 through 12. So here we see if we reject the truth, God gives us a free agency. And if we reject it, God shall send them a strong delusion and we will believe a lie. So if we reject the, the truth, God will send us a lie and we will believe it because that's what we want. God always gives us what we want. What did Jesus say? Quote, I have chosen you out of the world; therefore the world will hate you. Are we being hated? Also, blessed are ye when men shall persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my for my name's sake, for my sake, excuse me. That rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for for great is your reward in heaven. So here the Lord saying how happy we should be when people shall persecute you because this is what we should be doing the Lord's work. And if we're not being persecuted and people are not saying evil things against us, then we're not being blessed by the Lord. So it's just the opposite of uh, what Isaiah said. Everything is just the opposite of what is really going on. The LDS have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broke the everlasting covenant. And Isaiah, uh, Isaiah prophesied... The earth also is defiled under, under the inhabitants thereof, because they have what? Transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broke the everlasting covenant. Therefore have the curse devoured the earth, and they that dwell therein are desolate. Therefore the inhabitants of the earth are burned, and few men left. So here Isaiah is prophesying that in the latter days that uh, there will be a people, the church in the latter days will transgress the laws, change the ordinances, and broke the everlasting covenant. Now let's see what the uh, Apostle Joseph Fielding Smith declared. He said, it is the LDS saints who have transgressed the laws, changed the ordinances, and broke the everlasting covenant. Joseph Fielding Smith, Deseret News, church section, October 17, 1936. So as we see, Isaiah's Isaiah is, prophecy is fulfilled by the LDS uh, Latter day Church. What did Joseph Smith say about uh, uh, priesthood change? Uh, in the teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, uh, page 158, Joseph Smith said, If there is no change of ordinances, there is no change of priesthood. Again, he says, Where there is no change of priesthood, there is no change of ordinances, says Paul. Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith, page 308. And he, the Lord, Set the ordinances to be the same forever and ever. Let's go on and read more of what Joseph Smith said. He said, "Here ordinances instituted in the heavens before the foundation of the world in the priesthood for the salvation of men are not to be altered or changed. All must be saved on the same principles. So here we're not even supposed to alter it or change it any degree, or it's not the same. And then listen to this." The ordinances must be kept in the very same way God has appointed. Otherwise, their priesthood will prove a cursing instead of a blessing. Notice what Joseph Smith said here in Teachings of the prophet Joseph Smith 169. He says if we change the ordinances, then we, we turn, the, 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 the priesthood will prove a cursing instead of a blessing. Now if we go back here to Isaiah, what did Isaiah say about changing the ordinances? Or broke the everlasting covenant? He says right here, therefore it has a curse devoured the earth. So he's saying the same thing here. If you change any of these things, now it becomes a curse instead of a blessing. That's exactly what uh, Joseph Smith is saying right here. He's saying, listen, he says, the ordinances must be kept in the very same way God has appointed, otherwise their priesthood will prove a curse instead of a blessing. So we see, like Joseph Smith said, everything will be in harmony with one another as far as the scriptures, and you know that's from God. And if it contradicts, then you know it's of the devil. Now, pay attention very much because this is a piece of history that is hidden in plain sight. Talk about walking in darkness at noonday. But this here is the Church uh, of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. Confer or not to confer? 1921, priesthood conferral change. Most Latter-day Saints don't know this part of history, but for 36 years in between 1921 1921, In 1936, there was a period of time when the church did not confer the priesthood. There's actually a break in the chain. And as you see here, without the priesthood, you cannot baptize. Uh, You cannot uh, hold the sacrament. You can't bless the sacrament without priesthood. You can't have temple work. There's no authority. And, of course, if you don't have priesthood, uh, you have false leaders. Because if there's no priesthood, that means the authority of God. Uh, there's uh, no chain of command here, it's broke, it's not being passed on. And that's uh, in both the Aaronic and Melchizedek Priesthood, this is what happened. Okay, let's go through a little bit of the history. On, uh, that's that's meet up here. At a meeting at Centerville, Utah, September 27th, 1886, President John Taylor said, quote, I would be surprised if 10% of those who claim to hold the Melchizedek Priesthood Will remain true and faithful to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ at the at the time of the seventh president, and that there would be thousands that think that they hold the priesthood, but it would not have be uh, but have not have it properly conferred upon them. And uh, the Truth Magazine, Volume Six, One Thirty Six Page. And then it goes on, uh, President Joseph F. Smith, the sec- the sixth president, discovering Brother Penrose he was the first counselor, was teaching the new method during his uh, presidency, forbidding him to do so anymore, or I will have you tried for your fellowship. Heber J. Grant said, I know nothing concerning the gospel. I'm a financial man, and when I want information, I go to President Penrose, James E. Faust, or Joseph Fielding Smith. And after Heber J. Grant came to, to the president of the church, brother Penrose's theory was adopted and it goes on uh, so here we see that the 6th the president was threatening excommunication to President Penrose first counselor for teaching uh, that uh, teaching this new way of ordaining to the office of the uh, priesthood and not giving them the priesthood himself But anyway let's go on And it says on April 26 1921 Heber J Grant the 7th president Change the ordinances of the priesthood, said Charles Penrose. We have been making a mistake in ordinations. We have been conferring the priesthood, and it ought not to be done. He says, if we confer the priesthood on a man, we give him what? All the offices and callings in the church. We should ordain uh, directly to the office in the priesthood. Message of the First Presidency, 5, 120. And uh, here we go on. Uh, 36 years later, after it was adopted, 36 years later, on April 1957, David O. McKay changed the manner of priesthood ordinations back to their original way, wherein the priesthood was conferred upon the individuals before he was ordained to uh, the office of the priesthood. Anyway, uh, here we see there was a 36-year period where they never conferred the priesthood, and then uh, David O. McKay changed it back to the original way, but they never went back and corrected all those baptisms, uh, temple work, uh, ordinances of any kind, never went back and changed it. And because we continued down the same path, those that had been given priesthood never, never had the priesthood to begin with. And so now we have all these uh, ordinances work that has to be redone. So what about all the ordinances like baptism, temple work, etc.? Said Brigham Young, no being, uh, it says, no being can give that which he does not possess. He says, consequently, no man can confer the priesthood on another if he uh, has not himself received it first received it. Bring him young. Uh, the History of the Church, uh, Volume 4, page 257. And uh, here we see is the current missionary handbook of 2002. And you could pick this up at any missionary handbook or go to BYU. And here it says, this is how you confer... Conferring the priesthood and ordaining to an office. And here it says, call the person by his full name. State that the ordinance is performed by the authority of the priesthood. This is the part they skip for 36 years. It says, confer the Aaronic or Melchizedek priesthood unless it has already been conferred. So they skip that, and they go right into ordaining to a specific office in the Aaronic or Melchizedek priesthood and bestow the rights and powers and authority of that office. And then if you go over here, uh, this is the missionary handbook. Uh, 1946 edition, copyrighted by Heber J. Grant, and here's the change. And here you see, ordaining to the Aaronic Priesthood. And as you read through here, they left out that part about conferring. And here is the ordaining to the Melchizedek Priesthood. And here you see, this is the the, the original uh, missionary handbook. uh, So you can see that I'm not making this up. And you need to go down to BYU Library, and look at all the missionary handbooks in between 1921 and 1957 and prove, prove it to yourself that, that the church did not confer the priesthood for 36 years. And here you see uh, it's a 1946 edition. A copy, it's a published by the church. Uh, copyrighted, Heber J. Grant uh, for the Church of Christ Latter-day Saints. And as you flip back here, I think the page... 141, let's see, is it one, here you go. And here, it tells you right here, I'm opening it up, and it says, ordaining to the Aaronic Priesthood. And uh, you can go ahead and maybe stop that on your DVD if you want to read it. And then down here it says, ordaining to the Melchizedek Priesthood. And what they do is they just ordain you to an elder, uh, or whatever office it may be and then confer upon you all the rights, powers, and authority pertaining to this office and calling in the whole Nebuchadnezzar priesthood. So let's see what Joseph F. Smith said about this. This is uh, coming out of Gospel Doctrine, Sermons, and Writings of President Joseph F. Smith, and we're going to quote right out of the book. Okay, on page 136, he has a chapter dedicated. It says, Conferring the Priesthood. The revelation in the section 107 of the Doctrine and Covenants, verses 1, 5, 6, 7, and 21, clearly points.
1: Having some technical difficulties here with the uh, lukewarm in the studio. It does not want to play. It's not playing, Emma. If if it was playing, we'd hear on the radio but it's not. Let's see if I can refresh this page and maybe bring it back up. I don't know if we got it out or not. Come on. Site can't be reached. Okay. Anyway, all right. I guess we'll just be done with that. Um, there was uh, this guy in the chat room here. Now, let me read what he says. Okay, this is kind of funny. All right, um, I'll just read here what he says. He's replying something I said because this guy keeps twisting my words. He said, "You said God doesn't care." I know, and uh, it's it's uh, a problem with blog pod. All right, no twisting of your words. You said God doesn't care about temples dotting the earth. Oh wait, I already got the back.
3: Let's see.
1: If he does, it's just that you're supposed to redeem Zion, and then the kingdoms of God uh overcome the kingdoms of the world. That's when temples are supposed to cut to the rest of the world. uh, your quote from John Taylor's oh, wait, hold on. okay. No twisting your words, you said God doesn't care about temples dotting the earth, in which I responded, I beg to differ, and I didn't see that. If God thought the church was bad, again, through the Spirit, uh, the Spirit would cease in His church and in His temple, membership would cease to increase. If your church is true, membership will grow. All right, well, there's over a billion Catholics in the world, doesn't make them true. And when I was a Baptist, I felt the Holy Spirit in the church when I was taught truth. It did them true, it just, just meant that truth was being testified to by the Holy Spirit, which testifies the truth no matter where it's at. Just because you feel the Holy Spirit in a church doesn't mean that church is true. The LDS Church has more truth in it than any other church, but they have changed so much of the truth that. They're rejected Uh, God is no respecter of persons God loves all his children That's what this guy says We'll call him Mike God wants us to follow him and accept And appreciate what Christ did for us That's absolutely true But the other churches won't do that as well The difference is we have more And God expects us Because we have more To do what he says God will not punish people for trying to follow him, even if the leaders go astray. A prophet's role is to teach, expound all things about Christ, to expound the doctrine and the mysteries. Uh he is also a warning voice to the people crying repentance to all prophets since Joseph have preached about Christ. There have been many warnings of things to come, example second coming battles. The events that take place, warning Morning has always been about preparing spiritual, repenting always, getting food storage ready, not only uh, not only for natural disasters, but if someone loses a job, et cetera. That's not what it was there for. In fact, we're supposed to give the tithing to the bishop's storehouse so that, he, so that we can prepare against the day of famine. All right? And a lot of people are going to cling to their food storage and not leave places that are going to be destroyed, they won't leave their possessions and they will not leave their, their stuff. So, let's see here if Christ had happened, the neighbors that stay together in a group uh, and the law of consecration would take into effect. Well, that's that could be true, but we should live it before destruction comes Because destruction comes because we're not living it, alright Churches and bishops our houses will be open And if the mountains are a retreat, they too will be open Told uh, to us by our leaders I trust in them because God told me this is his church and his leaders And his leaders and I will not deny that answer you know, it's interesting. When I was a missionary, we never got people to convert when we tried to get them to pray if the church was true. We got people to convert if we taught them that the Book of Mormon and, the, and Joseph Smith were true. And, you know, it's funny because you don't have people pray about every single principle and get a revelation about it. As missionaries, when I was a missionary, you got them to pray about Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon. And then they think, oh, because these guys presented to me Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, they must be true. Anyway, and the whole numbers thing—well, guess what? The Kingdom of God rested with Noah, and there were only eight people on that ark. Numbers don't matter; it's quality that does. Christ appeared in the Kirtland Temple along with others, conferring the keys from heaven, and also opened. A different accounts of the visit from the Savior in our modern temples as well. The temple is filled with the Spirit and will be blessed for going. A cursing is not present in the church or all blessings, and the Spirit will withdraw from the temples. Okay, the Cartland Temple was before the Nauvoo Temple, where the Nauvoo Temple was told, if you don't do these things, you will receive a curse instead of a blessing and you will be rejected as a church and a people if you do not build a temple whereby the most high can come brother. Uh, I don't know how to say it anymore preschool uh, preschoolish for you to understand. It's in the covenant, why don't you go look it up? You know, we've already read that on this program so many times. Uh, anyway, I think I said, um, uh, laugh out loud, think that because the Holy Spirit is felt from time to time when truth is being taught that the LDS Church is true. I felt the Spirit when it, my pastor told me about Jesus Christ and the Baptist Church. Their numbers are way more than the LDS Church, which is true. They, that doesn't prove the LDS Church is not an error. It is an error. Did you read section 124 where Jesus said, if you build the temple where the Father would come and restore the fullness of the priesthood, And this is after the Cotland Temple. In fact, this revelation was given in 1841. He would reject the church and the people. The Father never came to restore the fullness in that temple or any other temple. And Jesus never came to that temple either. Jesus is a liar. He said if you do not do the things which he committed, he would reject the church. The temple was never finished ever. In fact, it caught fire and a tornado Destroyed it. (laughs) The father never came to the leadership of the LDS church in any temple to restore the fullness, but he did come to one of the members of that church himself. He did give me the fullness and the keys by his physical resurrected hands. John the Baptist had the keys, too, when the leaders of the church were rejected in his day. It is the same principle and the same pattern. Also, the Kirtland Temple was accepted, and the glory of God came into that temple. And Jesus did not, or did come to that temple until the apostasy in Kirtland happened. The Navu Temple was the third chance for the saints, and it was the last chance at that time. The, the second chance was independence, and that was, the cornerstones were put down for that. They never even started it. The curse came upon the church to the fourth generation. It's talked about in section 124, which is 160 years. The fullness is among the Latter day Saints, and they have no clue because somebody with the fullness who has seen the Father face to face and the seat of the fullness and all the keys of the kingdom and the kingdom, the kingdom and the church walks among them as a rank and file member of the church just like Jesus Christ did, then it is among them. But, they, but it is not in the leadership of the LDS church. i choose those prophets from the least of men, not the greatest. The church has forgotten and rejected the fullness of the gospel as well. Where are their united orders in their plural celestial marriage, their gathering of Israel, and why have they changed some things God gave to them? Why are you sublime? And if God wanted to give them something, If he wanted to give them something that was cut up, like this guy thinks, then um, don't you think maybe he would have given it to them that way to begin with? See, these guys lift themselves up above the throne of God and they just do whatever they want. You know, I don't know how to tell anybody anything different because that's what's happened. You know? And so yeah, God didn't reject and it said that this would happen. Isaiah talks about it, Jeremiah. Oh. Let's see if we can get the studio up here. I got into blog talk. Oh here it's the studio. So let's see if we can get new form. And, and nope, it's still giving me a part kind of problems. Simple and, the oh. all, along, oh.
0: broken and afraid, all right We'll be the on for Take care everyone God bless, yeah, sure God bless. They me. Well, then. And I didn't even know That I had lost my way